0: All right, good evening, Grace Point. So here we are. I've been kind of hungering and thirsting to get to this section here. Maybe one section, maybe two. We're going to finish off the rest of chapter 11. And even in conclusion, on the part about the women praying and prophesying and being under authority, again, Paul is dealing with problems in the church. Remember that. Keep that in mind. He's dealing with something, and he's bringing correction to it, Okay. Just keep that in mind. Now there's another problem that's going to crop up in the church, and Paul's going to deal with it, and he's going to give godly wisdom and the way we should be thinking about it. So, Father, teach us, Lord. Guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Give us wisdom, I pray, and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Open our hearts and minds to your power, your authority, and your goodness in the Word of God through Jesus. Amen. Okay, so conduct at the Lord's Supper. This is powerful here. Okay. Paul says, in giving you these instructions, I do not praise you. Well, here we go. They got another problem. (laughs) He's going to correct with his apostolic and pastoral authority. He's going to correct another problem. Since you uh, come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Remember that. This is important to understand the back half of this chapter. They're coming together for the worse. Remember the word judgment. For first of all, when you come together at the church, I hear there are what? The same old thing Paul's been dealing with. There are divisions. There are schisms among you. There are divisions among you. No new thing. Paul's dealing with division in the body. That's the topic that he's rolling into now and through this, the rest of this chapter, and even through chapter 12, he's going to be dealing with it. For there must be factions or divisions among you to know who's approved among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of the other. He's already talked about that. Not preferring one another... And they're doing it again. They're eating ahead of one another. One is hungry and another's drunk. Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? I do not praise you. So Paul is basically dealing with an issue that some people have an abundance of food at the Lord's Supper. And obviously they're eating Not just the bread and the wine, but they're having a meal. Like we do at our church, you know, once a month we have a meal. They're having a meal, and some people are getting drunk, and they're eating in abundance, and other people are hungry. And Paul is saying, I don't praise you in this. Eat and drink at home, but don't bring your food and eat in front of your hungry brother. He says, you're wounding Christ when you do that. And he says, you're creating divisions and He says, you're coming together for the worse. I want you to remember how is it they're coming together for the worse. So now Paul is telling them the meaning of communion. Listen to this. For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, broke it, gave thanks, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember wasn't it back in chapter was it yet yeah, 10 he says this is verse 16 the bread we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ verse 17 for we though many are one bread and one body for we all partake of one bread Remember that, the body of Christ. We are one bread, we are one body. Now he's telling them, didn't I tell you this? He said, take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He's already talked about this in chapter 10. In this manner, he took the cup. This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. Do this as often as you do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he come. Now this is, I want to say something here that I have heard many great teachers teach this. And they say, that Paul is emphasizing healing. And they'll use some of these latter verses too, uh, uh, one of them, to tell you that Paul is really emphasizing healing here. Okay? That when we discern the Lord's body, we need to discern, we'll discern our healing because in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, By His stripes you were healed. He bore our sicknesses in His body. But when, and I mean great teachers. I could list out four teach this way. And it humbles me that I have. don't disagree with them. You can see healing in here. An elder in our church always sees healing in here and others. And I see it. I know what they're talking about. By his stripes we're healed. There's healing in the body of Christ. I believe it. I live by it and I act by it. But I'm going to tell you reading from chapter 1 through chapter 16, looking at this with an understanding of the big picture, Paul is doing something far more than talking about divine healing here. That, the thought that Paul was suddenly bringing up divine healing, pulling it out of the air, interjecting it into this text, dealing with healing, and then moving off of it again, kind of bringing it in, talking about it, and then leaving. Well, it could be true. Maybe there is a, a reference to it. But Paul was really continuing the thought that he's had since Chapter 1, when he talked about division, and Chapter 3, when he talked about division, and Chapter 5, when he talked about division in the body, and Chapter 6, when he talked about division in the body, and Chapter 7 when he talked about wounding the body, the virgin's in the body, and Chapter 8, when he talked about wounding their conscience, and Chapter 9, when he talked about uh, the the edifying, uh, and living for others, not just yourself. And Chapter 10, when he talked about one loaf and one bread. He's rolling on the same topic. He's dealing with division. He's dealing with sin. He's dealing with people sinning against the body, which is the body of Christ. And he's going to tell them, you must remember this. We are one loaf and one bread. You can get healing in there. am not saying you can't, but I'm saying that that is not Paul's chief thought here. It can't be hermeneutically. And you'll see why. There's even more textual evidence why it can't be. Let's go on. So he's talking about communion. He says, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of what? The body and blood of the Lord. He is referencing directly, I don't know how people cannot see this, the unworthy manner, okay, is Earlier, right in this chapter, when he says, you're coming together for the worse, one person is stepping on the other, the other is eating uh, bread and eating food and drinking wine, while the other person is hungry, he's already told them, you have been partaking of communion in an unworthy manner, and he's setting it right. He tells them, eat at home, and he's going to say more about it. He's already told them that that bread is one body and one loaf, and they're sinning against the body. When they sin against the body, they sin against Christ. They're taking it in an unworthy manner. They're stepping on one another. He's already warned them in chapter 10 and in chapter 5 that they're going to bring judgment on themselves if they don't understand this. In fact, one guy was turned over to Satan already because he was sinning against the body. Uh, To me, it's just clear. He will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord, but let a man examine himself. And I want to say, again, I've heard people say that this doesn't mean to uh, examine yourself. It means to examine the body of Christ. No, he says, let a man or a woman examine themselves and let them eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who drinks or eats in an unworthy manner brings judgment on himself, not discerning what? The Lord's body. Now, there are folks that say, when you don't discern healing in there, you bring judgment on yourself. How could that be? Do you mean if you don't understand healing is in the communion, God's going to judge you for that? No, I, I think not. God's not going to judge you for that. That's out of character because you don't discern healing. God would know. The judgment comes because you're partaking of it in an unworthy manner. You're stepping on your brother and sister. It says, Examine yourself. How are you taking this communion? Otherwise, you will bring judgment on yourself because you're not discerning the Lord's body. One loaf. One bread, one body. And the whole of the next chapter deals with it. Contextually, all the way before, all the way up to here, Paul was dealing with the body of Christ and sinning against one another. And in chapter 12, he just nails it. The body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. When you sin against one another, you sin against Christ. Therefore... Many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Look at this, he says it again. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So he's t- tell him again. He's saying it again. Told him to examine himself. Now he's saying, if you would judge yourself. He's telling them to look at their life and seeing if they're sinning against the body. And if you're sinning against the body, repent. If you're stepping on your brother and sister in any way, like he just said, you come together for the worse. One person's eating and another one goes hungry. You're stepping on one another. He says, judge yourself. They're supposed to judge themselves. If you judged yourself, you would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. He's saying, don't let God judge you. Judge yourself. Now, how does God judge us? You know, I don't want to go into that because I'll get too far afield. I'm not saying God's the one making you sick. I'm actually saying that the opposite. What does happen is we can open the door to the devil, like chapter 5, and we can get out there on Satan's territory, and he will destroy our flesh, and he'll enforce the judgment, but you have to open that door. Paul was saying, if you judge yourself, you'll shut that door. Now, God, uh, the Lord will chasten us, but I really believe that's a different thing. I don't believe that's God making you sick. The Lord will chasten you and He will rebuke you, and He will correct you, and He will lift His hand and allow circumstances to come into your life that will chasten you. Why? Because He loves you, and He doesn't want you being judged with the world. Do you understand that? Because He uses His authority for your good, So if God lifts his hand off of you and allows circumstances and situations to come into your life, he is doing it for your good, but you're the one that opened that door because you did not examine yourself, neither did you judge yourself, and that's exactly what Paul says verbatim, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. For when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we would not be condemned with the world. Now, Brian, I'm going to wrap this up. I know I've gone further, but I have to on this one, a little further. Now, if none of that convinces you, which I don't understand it, not taking healing away from communion, you can receive healing in communion. By His stripes you were healed. There is healing in the body of Christ. I'm not taking that away, but I'm saying this is what Paul is getting at in the larger picture. Listen, look at verse... 33, he concludes it with a therefore. (laughs) Therefore means in the light, I think King James says uh, something like, so therefore, or so because of this, but therefore, the therefore is always referencing what he's been talking about. There's actually two therefores, one in 27 and one down here in 33. His conclusion, therefore, because you can bring judgment on yourself, because you're partaking of one body and one loaf, because many are weak and sickly among you, because you're gathering together for wrong and not for good, because I can't praise you in these things, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. You see his conclusion? In the light of judgment, in the the light of chastening, In the light of these things that could happen, therefore, love one another. Therefore, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Let me hit that again. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. What brings the judgment? not waiting for one another. You're coming together for judgment. Wait for one another. It's a direct tie-in in this verse. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, which he talked about here earlier, starting with verse 17, taking the Lord's Supper. He's making the point. He's drawing the conclusion, or you will bring judgment on yourself if you don't wait for one another. That's the whole topic of this section. How people don't see it, I do not know. It's the point of the whole ladder. How they treat one another. Worldly wisdom, selfish, think about myself. Godly wisdom, wait for one another. He warns them about judgment throughout the book. He's telling them they're going to bring judgment on themselves. He's bringing correction because he loves them. He says, you guys got to change. You're bringing judgment and condemnation on yourself. All right. I have to let that set. We'll pick up next week right there.